Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made, that we find ourselves gathered together with your people. You called us out of the world. You called us to be your church. You called us to be the representatives of your people in the last days. So we pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that we might hear the, the rhythms of your heartbeat as you breathe upon us through your word, and that that would make us alive, Lord, that your word would be as sharp as a double-edged sword, that it would pierce our hearts and divide and discern between the spirit and the soul so that we might walk in a matter of excellence, to your voice above every other voice that speaks, Lord. We're gathered here together with your people, hearing the word of God from the man of God, and allow this word to have a resurrection power to bring us to the place that we are prepared upon your appearing, Lord, to not be ashamed, having been able to be good stewards of our time, our resources, our families, our attention, our priorities, Lord, and not let us be distracted in these last days and distanced and distorted from who you are and what you have for us. So bless your people today, Lord, not only here at Spring of Life Miami, but throughout the world, Father, that we might be a catalyst for those people that desire to give God their best, Lord, especially right before your coming, Lord. So be glorified today and move our hearts, Lord, and move our minds in the direction that equates and measures up to the vast mercies you've had upon our lives, Lord. Bless us with your word this morning and let it be a good seed that is planted in good hearts that give forth good fruit and a harvest that glorifies you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. So um, the last couple of weeks, the Lord has been talking us to us fairly clearly in various matters. And, and this this word of divine urgency that I feel in my spirit, I can't define it as anything other than if, if, if you're moving with God right before his coming, there's a sense of, of measuring up. Um, I think it's the same feeling Noah had as he's building his ark and he's been forewarned of the flood that is to come. It wasn't to to be putting off the task for another day. It wasn't to leave uh, something undone in the matters of building that ark, which God had said for him to prepare. And um, it's, it's been very difficult over the last 30 years that we've been preaching the gospel to ever um, give the followers of Christ a, a time frame to which they're to walk. Um, other than God wants us to press in and, and consider these things at heightened levels of urgency. Um, when you are young, you feel that you have unlimited time that is stretched before you to accomplish any task. And as I speak with my father who's 86 and he tells me, listen, I have days left. And so I don't live my time uh, without every moment counting and being purposeful and intentional. And then as we get older, we see that 
that we do not have the vast resources of time to be able to accomplish our task. And for many of us, times have passed and have gotten ahead of us in that regard. Um, the Bible wants us to live with the time frame that Job tells God in Job 7, 7, when he says that life is brief. It's, it's not long-winded and around forever. Remember, he says to God that my life is a breath. What he's saying there is the same vapor in other expressions and translations. Uh, we'll see it not only in the Old Testament, but the New Testament, that life is here for but a moment. Those of you who have lost loved ones know the brevity of life, the importance of every moment that it not escape you. My eye will never again see this side of eternity once that breath is cut short. James chapter 4 verse 14 in the New Testament tells us the same thing. The pressing nature, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. We, we don't know if we have another opportunity for the things that are before us. For what is your life, he says. What, what is the consistency and the number of life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away. Again, that breath that we take in the winter time, when the cold air, when we blow out that smoke, that it's there for a second and then it's gone. And so the Bible wants you to measure time in that brevity of opportunity you have to move in a certain aspect to accomplish what is left before us in that regard. Um, however you want to describe these matters of attaining to what God has, even every single day of our life is determined by the urgency. I don't know about you, um, this morning I heard the alarm go off and oh, I got to hurry. Uh, I got to take a shower. I got, I got to get my clothes. I got, I got to see if, I, if it's iron. I have to see where breakfast lies. And every day has a sense of urgency throughout the day that is the normal course of our life events. Getting to work on time, leaving the children at school. All these require urgencies um, if but subtle in, in, in a way that you ride during the day to keep your appointments, to make your phone calls, to um, gather the information, to make reports, to submit to clients and customers, to inform your employers of, of that you're being uh, diligent about the matters at hand, um, having lunch, hurry back, get back to work, uh, the urgency of meeting deadlines, making phone calls. Um, you see that it happens on a daily basis in various places of responsibility. Picking up laundry maybe, attending to meetings, to conferences, writing letters, uh, returning to work, not forgetting to pick up the children at school. Um, knowing that, that the school closes at 7, nobody else is there, and you're getting there at 7.15. Then the sporting practice, the homework, uh, the getting back, taking a shower, making sure everything is in place for the next day. And so the matter of urgency is defined by do what you need to do now. 
that be, be on task uh, for these, these earthly accomplishments. If, if you don't do it, um, you say, I'll, I'll do it later, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it next week. I'll, there, there are certain matters that you can say, well, next year I think I'm going to, and, and you have planned for things that are next year that are not urgent, but God wants there to be a sense of urgency in your Christian life, not convenience or comfort. Should I go to church tonight? Should I attend, uh, bring my kids to youth group? Should I read my Bible? Should I pray? And so I, I feel, and I'll tell you what, the urgency of time that I have is to be a task for my responsibilities before God. And this didn't seem to be the case before I got saved. Um, I can't pray at another time. I have to pray now. I, I can't put off caring about people for another day. I have to care about people now. I, I have to show love. The Bible says that that right before his coming, the love of many will grow cold. I can't afford that. I need to have an expression of love now. I, that, 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 that equates time. Whether it's to my wife, to my marriage, to my children, to my family, to the church, to the church family. And a lot of people feel overwhelmed by the urgency that is required to meet the measure of what God attends to always telling us make sure you don't fall asleep make sure you don't get lazy make sure you don't drag your heels all, all these things constantly making us uh, we know what it is in the natural um, I watch my brother-in-law Renee and he has an overwhelming sense of urgency every time his probation officer calls he runs to the phone. He answers it. They say, you got to be here now. He doesn't say, I think I'll come by tomorrow. I'll give me a couple of hours. He's there. Urgency drives that relationship, but it must in the spirit drive our relationship with God and not say, I'll put it off to tomorrow. I won't answer the phone. I, I remember I called Pastor Kenny some years ago when he was a young man and, and, and the phone would ring and ring and ring. And the secretary says, he can't, he can't get your call right now. I'm like, what are you talking about? He can't get my call. I'm the most important call he has all day. <laughs> and so I rebuked him. And I said, whenever your father calls, and I was telling his biological father, you answer the phone. It's urgent that you pick up the phone to your father and to your bishop. It's not something you leave for tomorrow, another day, I'll get around to it because you will miss out the urgency of what that phone call contains. And so we need to say, God, let the spirit of the most high God possess me so that I am diligent and urgent about the things concerning the gospel. I need to read the word of God, not tomorrow, now. Remember that... that I have a, an illustration I want to give because these urgent care centers are popping up all over town, right? And when you have stitches, you say, I'll go over to the urgent care because they will take their time and see me tomorrow. No, they're going to see you right on the spot with immediacy and quickness. That's why you're going there in the first place. 
You look for an urgent care because the people that are there are not dragging their feet and being lazy. And by the way, they're making tons of money because everybody is running there with all their issues. And the issue of getting sin out of your life, do it now. Don't, don't meddle with sin. Don't meddle with disobedience. Don't meddle with rebellion. Don't leave it for another day. It's the issue of forgiveness. Do it now. What makes you think you have tomorrow? I, I was at a trial. Um, it happened to be a, a legal case. And the 19-year-old boy was there. And he had a fighting grudge with his dad. And... His father passed away and they were divvying up the assets between him, his mom, and, and the new wife. And the boy just began to cry and break down and said, I never got to tell my dad I loved him. This is not a matter to leave for another day. Do it now. Be urgent about your sense of your opportunity, a window that God opens like you do when you're concerning your work or like what you want, your dinner. Uh, I have a pet peeve with Yvette. I'm hungry. Yvette says, I'll give you dinner. And then I wait and wait and wait and wonder where's dinner. And it's not because she's not making it. She's making a real good dinner. She's, she's taking the time it takes to prepare. Uh, this morning, I asked Sister Lourdes, could you go to the conference room and give me a spoon? And she went in there and picked up a pastelito and left without giving me a spoon. <laughs> you know why? Because, listen, we are not tuned to urgency. We are tuned to laziness, to put it off, to inattentiveness, to say it doesn't matter. Someone else will pick up the ball that's fundled. Listen, sporting events do not allow anybody to participate unless they have a sense of urgency when they're on the field. You don't have anybody on the field that's looking at the butterflies unless it's Little League and T-ball. But if you're on the field, there's a sense of every second and, and the people that don't have that capacity cannot participate. And I want to tell you that the greatest and highest call of all is being entrusted with the work of God upon the earth. It's not to be left for another time or another people. It's you. Who are you going to send, Lord? Send me. Who's going to preach? I'm going to preach. Isaiah 58 verse 1 says that when you preach, make sure that you do it loud. Cry out loud and don't hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Well, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed because then... What's going to happen? Tell my people where they're going wrong. Tell them today. Amen. You might not have tomorrow. So I, I just pray that as we go over these verses, that, that you create a sense of urgency and come up to toe the line at the level you're responsible to. We see Nick without legs, without hands. He's running the race. There's a sense of urgency in him to save souls. And yet when we have an opportunity to move in that direction, we'll catch the next train. There's going to come a time where there is no next train. Where the opportunities you had of generosity were right before your eyes and you weren't attentive to it.
And so the, the highest expression of, of these affairs is seeing the life of Christ. We see the life of Christ, it moves us in an overwhelming way. Here, Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the lazy man wants a lot, has desires, but comes up with nothing. And then the soul of the urgent, driven, diligent shall be made rich. There's, there's an increase for those who make of their time the urgency of God. Again, the expression needs to fall in a place where we are made alive. But if we continue with a sense of comfort and convenience... You miss what God has for you. And sometimes never to be recovered again. I love the verse in Genesis 1. This is at the beginning of, of creation. Chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That starts it all off. That's the first verse. first chapter of the Bible. And then verse 2. Things fall in a manner of darkness and they lose their form and they're empty but look what is there the spirit of god with an energy that is addressing these matters is hovering over the face of the waters and and i can only say that this sense of divine urgency is one possessed by the spirit of god he says today if you hear my voice Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not the next day, not next week, not next month. And, and, and for us not to fall on our faces before God, asking the spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. I, I can't not be leaving matters for another day. I, I love to see people in revival. I don't know, I said it, I said it earlier this year, uh, Joshua comes into my son Joshua a second, he's doing okay, for those of you that know he had a, a bicycle accident, um, God has been merciful, but he walks into my room this year and he says, Dad, God is asking me to give him everything in my bank account, and, and I know that it, it wasn't the church, we weren't preaching on giving, we weren't preaching on stewardship, it's a, it's a spirit inside of him who passionately wants to be in the measure that God is asking of him now and I said the church doesn't need your money the church is blessed we have abundance I don't want to hinder his unfettered reckless pursuit of God now not say, wait till you get married and have kids and have a retirement account and make sure you have enough and then give to God. No. If God is pressing upon your heart, move now. Because it's consistent with what God wants to show you now. In other words, there's going to be a manifest reward for what you are pressing for in God. If God tells you to preach the gospel at a restaurant do it. Do it now. 
Don't, don't be ashamed and put it off because it's the divine urgency of life or death. Somebody needs a lifeline. They, they can't have it tomorrow. You might not cross their path tomorrow. You were the vessel God wanted to use today. And tell God to fill you with his spirit that you move in every area of your life in that manner. So the spirit of God is the catalyst for Christians to move with the urgency of God. To live out the purpose and meaning. People who live lives with purpose and meaning will live with a sense of urgency. You see it in the life of a businessman. They are moved quickly. They're, they're not watching the reports next week or next month. They're, they're being urgent about the profit and rewards of their due diligence. But we must be God's people pressed about for God's time in different matters. Jesus prayerfully sought each day of his life to live it out in the eye of eternity. He wasn't allowed to be distracted. He didn't get defensive. He did not let praise fuel his pride. Jesus knew he was on a mission with the Father and time was a precious gift from God to fulfill his will. This sense of urgency must be in the life of every Christian. God, what do you want me to do? And you want me to do it now. You want to entrust with me the time and the responsibilities to fill the earth with your glory. I must finish the task at hand. What lies ahead must be addressed while there's still time. In John 5, 17, he, he gives us this verse that, that equates with how he lived life. He says, my father is involved, is working until now. I've been working also. Because the time will come, he says in John 9, 4, that the night is coming and no one will be able to work anymore. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming and no one can work when it is nighttime. I, I don't, I, as I read this, I don't know what the closing out of the day is. But here I see a whole bunch of scriptures in Romans 13, 12. That Paul also talks the words of Jesus saying the night we're far spent in the night. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. There's, there's all manner of sense of times where, where you can do what God is calling you to do. I know that right now with the men's group on Monday night, we said it. It was a glorious run every Monday night we had with the men. And then here God brings in a parenthesis where we're not meeting. And people are like, why are we not meeting? You missed it. You missed what God was giving the men in a certain time, in a certain period that is no longer available. And so you, you cannot miss God's provision and purpose. We say like this in this church, for with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. What does that mean? If you miss one day of when you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to be, you miss a thousand years of meaningful, purposeful significance. You're emptying out. You're uh, one of the ladies. I have a, a setting here. If you bring your life to a bunch of I'll do it tomorrow, you're going to have a lot of empty yesterdays. 
What's that mean? That everything had time and purpose and you missed out time and purpose in the things of God. What were you doing? What were you thinking? How did somebody steal from you the sense of urgency that God places on these matters? The worth. And so Jesus lived his life with the intensity of a ministry that was constant. He was constantly about even... At a young age of 12, he said, I must be about my father's business. This is how he measured his youth. I want to be about God's business and not my own. What created us to have other urgencies? We're at other places. Uh, here's one of the descriptions of Christ's urgency in Matthew 15, 30. Great multitudes came to him. Having with them those multitudes came the lame, the blind, the ones who couldn't speak, the ones who were lame, missing a limb, many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet so he might heal them. And these opportunities we have to do greater works than the one who, he says, greater works than me you shall do in my name. So us praying for people that are needy, surrounding ourselves with those people that don't see right, that don't hear right, that don't walk right, and having opportunity in season and out of season, the urgency of even when it seems not appropriate, the urgency of time dictates that you move in that direction. Father, give me the heart of Christ. Mark 6, 56, wherever he entered into villages and cities, whether he was in the countryside, they laid the sick in the streets, and besought him that they might touch him if it were by the border of his garments as many as touched him were made whole. Are, are we the expression and extension of the kingdom of God in that manner? Not if the urgency is not there. I, I love to read the story of Mark chapter 2. The Bible says that four men decided that their friend needed an urgent care and they entered into a village uh, and they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that, that he might touch them by the hem of his garment. Let's go to Mark 2, please. Verse 1. Again, he entered Capernaum after some days and it was heard that he was in the house. Verse 2. Immediately many gathered together so that there was so no longer any room to receive them and even near the door. Couldn't even come into that place. He preached the word to them. Verse 3, they came bringing a paralytic man carried by four people. I, I often wondered who four people I would like to carry me. Probably one wouldn't show up. Probably one is too busy on other matters. But here these four men begin to carry this man in need and they were going to make sure that urgency would dictate an incredible, innovative, ambitious, ambitious mode. Verse 4, as they carry this man, when they could not come near Jesus because of the crowd, they begin to open a hole in the roof. That's the type of people I want around me when I'm sick. The ones that are willing to put me up on the roof and tear it open. So when they had broken through the roof, they let the man down on the bed, which the paralytic was lying. Verse 5. Jesus was watching 
the sense of their urgency. The sense of their moving the needy and and he moved to heal this man watching the faith of the four. And so I know that the times are coming where the Bible says that many will say, oh, that stuff about the gospel, that's been, been said for a long time. And they lose their sense of urgency. Now, when I, when I see these words that are calling us to a different inclination of our spirit, it's not a frantic pace without purpose. It's not like, oh, oh, and you're paralyzed by the sense of urgency. No, you're moving carefully closer to the objective. This was the case with uh, moving when Jesus heard about Lazarus, moving into the direction of the tomb, preparing the Lord's Supper. Here, Judas was, was moving away from the Lord, but there were men that were, were gathered together and they spent the night with the Lord in the appropriate season of life. Paul continues to tell the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 6 2, now is the accepted time. Your day of salvation is not tomorrow. Your commitment to the things of God are not, you're going to get serious at another date. You're going to miss out and have a bunch of would have, could have, and should have at the end of your journey. The sense of urgency that Jesus gives us in Matthew 24, 36 is that no one knows the day nor the hour, not even the angels, only my father in heaven. It will be like in the days of Noah. So also will become the coming of the son of man. As in the days of the flood, people were intertwined with eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. He did not know until the flood came and took everyone away, so also will come the Son of Man. This urgency of the cry of God, and, and every time I read Revelations 22, 7, um, it puts a, a proper perspective on me that Christ is not coming at some time in the future. He's coming now. Behold, I am coming quickly. I'm coming now. Adjust your time like we do with uh, daylight savings where we put, we get back up to speed with the time we keep. Don't put off the matters that concern God for another day. Again, how is the impartation of spurring us, us one another up so that we are prompt and quick and attentive and diligent to these matters? All the Proverbs dictate to us that God is seeking those that are diligent. I want to read these Proverbs because it has the intention that we not miss out. Proverbs 12, 24. It's the hand of those who are diligent that will be gifted and entrusted to govern. The hand of, of those who, we always say that there was a young man called into ministry and when it was time for church, he would put a sign outside on the door. He says, today I'm not feeling too well, so you guys come back next Sunday. He was the pastor. He's the man that God called in. And guess what? I'm busy today. I, I mowed the lawn yesterday. Got a cramp on my back, so I can't make it. I'll see you next week. 
And he did this various times for various weeks. But, it, you know, we all, and I, I know for sure, that people says, Pastor, I'm keeping an eye on you because if you miss, I'm out of here. Well, how about me when you miss? How about me getting out of here because you didn't show up or you weren't attentive or you did not participate or you felt like taking a vacation? No, the hand of the diligent will have the government, the lazy will pay tribute and put to, to labor. Proverbs 10.4, the, the hand of the slack will end up in poverty. Uh, Pastor, why am I broke? Because you don't have a sense of urgency. I, I've sat in my office and counseled men for over 25 years. And they say, I'm, I'm thinking about coming into something good. I think I'll work, and I'll probably work this month because, you know, it's October. Pastor Appreciation. I'm going to put it off. And not in November because Thanksgiving's here. In December, it goes by fast, so I'll get a job in January. <laughs> After the Reyes, which is... And I feel like grabbing them by the throat and say, it's urgent. It's pressing that your family might eat. Ever thought of that? But the sense of, and, and it's an attitude. And, and we don't mess around with our food and our work. and our. But the things of God, reading the Bible, praying, showing up at church, ah, we'll, we'll, we'll stick it in there somewhere where it's convenient, like a hobby. You know, we, we've taken it on as a hobby, this thing about being a Christian. No, that's not what God has called you to. He says he's coming back quickly, and, and I just can't believe there's anything other than Revelations 22, verse 9, says it also. I think it's, um, see to it that you do that. See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, your brethren. Let's, let's go to verse 20. He continues on to say, he who testifies about the matters that are written in this letter says, surely I am coming quickly. And so the agreement with those that are prepared to receive what God has for us are saying, amen. Yes, Lord. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. I'm, I'm towing the line where you want me to. I'm not going to be caught off base. Again, another of the expressions of baseball, the, the urgency of your diligence and attention to what's going, so many have lost because the others are being more attentive. Proverbs 12, 27, whoever is slothful will go out hunting, but then not cook what he's brought in. You, you go out and fish and leave the fish in the cooler for a couple of days and then come and then try to eat rotten fish. You don't do that in the natural. You clean the fish right away. And so God is calling us in these matters to be attentive. I don't know where you got off the train. Who accommodated you? Um, Paul tells the Galatians, who cursed you with a hex that you were doing so well and now 
you, you've, you, you're off the rails. There, you, there's, no, there's no movement in the direction and the intensity of God's call. Uh, we call this thing, we used to grow up surfing in Cocoa Beach. And you had to be ready to catch that wave because that wave was not going to wait for you. You had to be watching it out very far so as it was approaching, you were prepared and jump on that wave to be able to participate. And so many miss the call of God by attending to other matters. Here it says in Ephesians 5.14, Paul is telling the Ephesians, Ephesians church, Awake you sleepyhead. Arise from the dead. So that Christ will give you light to, to walk in. When, when, when that light goes out, it's going to be an awful time for you. You're not going to be able to walk as fast as you thought you were going to walk. This is what happened to Israel. When God says, go into the promised land, they said, nah, we're going we're gonna to take a break here. We're not going to go in when you say. Hebrews 3.7 describes this event. Therefore, the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did in the desert. Your fathers rebelled on the day they were tested in the wilderness. Your fathers tried me and they forbear and put off my words. And I saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, verse 10, this is God's disposition for those who put off urgency. I'm upset with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They always have another pending matter. They have not known my ways. They, they, that, they do not know my intensity. They do not know my disposition. And, and again, I, I believe we don't, we're not there because we don't understand the loss, the consequences. Um, you, you know why Mr. Carroll is so diligent? Because of consequences. You know why a person doesn't put off his affairs at work because of the consequences. How about your boss telling you come into work and you say, well, I'll think about it. I'll call you next week and let you know. That's not what we do in this world to serious affairs. In the book of Malachi, he says, try doing that with your boss to see what the consequences might be. You don't, but we do with God all the time. It seems to be a tradition and a practice. Ephesians 5.15, look carefully how you walk, not without wisdom, but wisely, making the best, verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are getting worse. Be, be urgent about your devotion to Christ and your worship to the Lord and your stewardship to the things of God to be able to accomplish certain feats and parameters. Um, I'm telling some parents nowadays, you're gonna miss giving your children what they need. Don't try and give it to them later because the season has passed you. Now, the only thing left is weeping and, and the suffering of not laying a proper foundation. So when you are urgent, Hebrews 12, 1 says, you are getting rid of unnecessary weight and things that might entangle you running the race with urgency means that you're enduring and pressing on being persistent 
to run the race with endurance that is set before you. And he says, let us lay aside the unnecessary things and those things which slow you down in regards to your race with God. Uh, I, I'll tell you this as a young person, I was 16 years old when I came to the Lord and I knew, I knew that I knew that the company I was keeping with friends that did not know the Lord was going to stop me and slow me down and distract me and take from me. So I met with each one of my friends and says, listen, you're not going to see me ever again. This was 39 years ago. I'm 16 years old and I'm having meetings with friends that I had a lifetime. They were my brothers and says, listen, urgency dictates that we no longer keep company. Because I, I, can't, I can't miss what God has for me. And so there were some girlfriends also. They said, listen, this is the last time you'll hear my voice. Grab, grab your Bible and, and, and we'll see you in heaven. Urgency dictates not to put that off for another day. Even recently, ministerially wise, with the pastors I run with, I've had to tell them urgency dictates that I don't fool around. That I not, I not sweep things under the rug and, and make for another opportunity to see what happens down the road. Today, I need to be right with God. And I can't afford to have fellowship with those that, that are, are walking less than excellent. It's super important that we tell the, the Spirit of God to remove from us the things that are weighty and 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 entangling us from us being available to God. It was Acts chapter 24, verse 25, that Felix the governor is listening to Paul and he's hearing Paul talk about righteousness and self-control and the things of the judgment to come. These are weighty conversations to be had. And Paul is talking with the governor and saying, uh, at that moment, Felix was afraid. And he answered these words. This, this is the way he responded to the urgency of Paul's teaching. Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Guess what? That never happened. What he didn't do by way of repentance, reconciliation, and getting right with God, that was his opportunity. But he was one of the ones that did not have a sense of urgency. He didn't understand it, how important it was what God was telling him at that precise moment. In 2 Corinthians 8, 7, we see Paul tell the Corinthian church, you're doing great. You have an excellence in your urgency about many matters. You abound in everything. Your faith is awesome. How you trust God. You're, the way you preach is awesome. You, I have to say this. If you're talking to somebody about the Lord, do you talk about it like this is something that could wait? Or does urgency dictate that they come to Christ now? Some people sit there and philosophize and wonder, well... I need to know a little bit more. No, you need to repent today. You need to ask God for forgiveness now. You have to ask Christ to come in your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Don't put it off till tomorrow. It's a wonderful song that says, Tomorrow, I'll give my life tomorrow. I thought about today. 
but it's so much easier to say tomorrow. I'll fix things with my wife tomorrow. You might not have tomorrow. I'll fix things with my children tomorrow. You might not have tomorrow. I'll fix things with my finances tomorrow. No, do it today. Amen. Clear the score. Bring everything to the light. Paul says you are doing positive in many things. In your faith, in your speech, in your searching the things of God. I'm amazed that some of you miss on Wednesday night. Like you're Bible scholars already. Like you don't come. Like you don't have a Bible. You don't make reference to the light unto your feet. To the light unto your path. That you put off the only place where you're going to press into Jesus Christ and studying his word is Wednesday night and you don't come. And so there's been like six months and you're malnourished spiritually to the things that you need to defend and tell the devil it is written. Get away from me, devil. Get away from my house. Get away from my children. And you're established in the word of God, grounded and rooted. So that you're fruitful. So the devil is not stealing from you. But he says all these things you're doing good. In all diligence. In your love for us. But you're missing in your ability to be generous. See to it that you place attention on giving God what he's pulling on your heart to give. I was talking to a teenage boy this week. And I said, doesn't the Holy Spirit press and pull upon your heart? And he says, no. I said, well, pray Psalm 51. Lord, cast not your spirit away from me. Make sure that the Spirit of God is pulling on your heartstrings so you have a clear account with God and not leave things off for tomorrow. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down in your wrath. Forgive. Discipline your children today. I remember when I started my law practice many moons ago, and I guess they don't do that nowadays, but I used to have a stamp for my letters. What was it? Urgent. It's not to be left off for another day. The guy wants out of jail today. He wants his house back today. He wants his money back today. So I would stamp my letters with urgent. Like, get this done, yeah, now, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. And this is the urgency of God's measure for us in these affairs. If we do not help our children with the urgency the word of God tells us to do, they will grow up and develop deficient in their maturity. And so we see all matter of craziness taking place in the world because of people that have put urgency off to another moment. Romans 12, 11, again, do not be slothful in your zeal, in your not lagging in your diligence. The, the only way we could do that is we would be fervent in the spirit as we serve the Lord at that level. Quit piling up, I'll do it tomorrow, because then you have a deficient Yesterday, not having fulfilled the purpose and call of God for your life and for your children. In Jeremiah 29, this word that comes in the midst of the apostasy, people were leaving God. And here he said these words, he says, when I'm thinking about 
checking out and not being urgent in the matters. Jeremiah 20 verse 9. If I say to tomorrow, I will remember him no more. I won't speak in his name. I'm not going to make Jesus a forefront of my comings and going. His word came into my heart like burning fire shut up in my bones. And I could not hold back. I could not pretend like the matter was not urgent. How do you want people to treat you when you get to the urgent care? Uh, this week, this past week, we visited an emergency room. And I, I gathered because they thought that the things that were going on in Joshua's life as they inspected him were not of a pressing sort. And they left him there three hours without doing anything. He's like, Dad, I was in an emergency room. And they were attending to everybody around us that had worse scenarios. But they just left me there. And then at the end, they gave him 10 stitches under his left eye. And then they told him you could leave. They didn't even tell him how to bathe his wounds. But we're, we're surrounded with people that are expressing all manner of needs in regards to our capacity to address. And I don't want to be like indifferent in a world where people are indifferent. Matthew 24, 44, therefore you also be ready because the son of man is coming at an hour you do not know. It's going to be in a moment that you do not expect. And so here, if we have trained well, if we're spurred, and, and I, I've had the opportunity to be a part of a lot of sporting events and be around a lot of athletes, and I can tell you that them and soldiers make for the best servants and employees because they're quick on their feet. They're attentive. They, they, they can process information. They're not sleeping. They're not indifferent. They're, they're always expectant to move in the direction that is required. And so it's super important that we not be like those people in 2 Peter 3.3 who says, oh, no, they've been saying this for all knowing first that mockers will come in the last days and they don't walk with a sense of urgency. They walk according to their own lusts. They're fast pressed to move in every direction but God's. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I, when I was, when I was uh, starting out my career as a lawyer, um, I had made some good money and I went out to buy season tickets for the Dolphins and I, I promise you that I was, I, I said, me and Yvette are going to go watch every single game. And I, I bought the tickets and the Lord says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to go watch some dolphin games. He goes, you're not going to have anything devoted. You're not going to be devoted to anything greater than your devotion to me. I was like, yeah, Lord, but the dolphins are cool. <laughs> he says, no, you're putting, at the time I was making very little money and I put all my money into these tickets and the Lord says no so what did I do I sold my tickets off the pressing urgency of keeping God first in my life has never changed it's never been the case that uh, I went out and bought a car early on in, in the days of, of our youth group and I went out and bought a car and the Lord says what are you doing I said I just bought a nice car he goes no you, you have put something above your devotion and priority to me. Get rid of it. And I sold it within a week. People thought I was crazy. 
So if the sense of the Spirit of God in me is jealous, you guys know what a jealous person is? Zealous, jealous, wants priority, wants prominence, wants urgency, wants attention. What happens to the people? Am I a weirdo and no one else is listening to these voices? Is Joshua a weirdo when he comes and says there's an urgency about me surrendering everything I have to God because he's going to put me in a place of prominence and wealth beyond measure? With the promise of coming into the purpose of God is not for those that are walking according to their own lust. The last days will be filled with these people. Verse 4, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? There's no urgency. Why are you guys so oppressed about what God thinks? Who cares what God thinks? I remember when I was courting Yvette, I got to the school and a young man thought that he wasn't going to be in trouble. And so I drive up my car and he puts his arm around Yvette and he says, so what if your boyfriend's watching? Oh, dead man walking. <laughs> he had no understanding of the urgency to get his arm off my girlfriend. Because he was about to die. And so I dropped her off at home. I didn't want to create a commotion. I said, honey, does this man do this while I'm not at school? And he goes, she goes, no, he's just being a clown. I go, okay, let me go talk to him about joining the circus. And I went back and they were sit there playing baseball and they had their baseball bats out. But when you're in love, you do stupid things. And I said, listen, it's urgent that you not fool around no more. And thank God he was agreeable. He says, no, I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect you. I, that's all, that's all I'm interested in. It's urgent that you not clown around with what I take serious. And here Jesus is saying, these people are going where is the promise of his coming? They've been talking about the urgencies of these things since our fathers fell asleep, but all things continue to be the same since the beginning of creation. These are the mockers of the last days. Verse 5, they don't have a sense of urgency. They willfully, they on purpose forget that the word of God, the heavens, by the word of God, the heavens of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Verse 6, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. The people that today do not have a sense of urgency forget that the world has already been flooded once before. And the ones that were flooded were the ones that were not urgently moving in the direction of God's instruction. Verse 7. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of of ungodly men. Lord, press upon us the sense of your spirit. I, I, I don't want you to move in the direction that the word of God is telling us because you're going to placate any sense that I have that you be here. But the spirit of God zealously desires you. And has made all things possible for you to enjoy this urgency. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 10. Down the, the road here he says. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it. Will be burned up. All these things perish. So, so there's, a, there's an urgency. Uh, I even say about being refreshed. Uh, and relaxed 
I, I tell people all the time, make sure that, that you've entered into a period of rest where you make time for enjoying your family. So the, so the urgency is in the full expression of his grace in these times. But these people, they are walking without a sense of diligence. I don't want to walk with anybody that has that disposition, that these matters are not important. I understand that as the Bible says that he comes like a thief in the night, the day of the Lord it will come at like a thief in the night. It also says it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, for you yourselves know that you're to be prepared for the day because he will come like a thief in the night. You know perfectly the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. Um, he, he says like a, a, a bride preparing for her wedding. I want to tell you, Brandon is about to get married and Vicky is about to get married. There's an urgency about every second of every day right up until their wedding. There's, there's some words that, that Brandon cannot speak right now to Vicky, like don't worry about it. Or forget about it or we'll do it tomorrow. She won't tolerate that. Even their bachelor uh, gathering, the boys went away to play golf in Orlando and the girls went to West Palm to spend some time, you know, celebrating the goodbye to their single life. Even that was necessary. Now, they did it at levels that we didn't do it when we were young. We went to Taco Bell. <laughs> but every generation is greater and God will bless them greater and they get to celebrate a greater provisions and purposes the urgency of making sure they're well employed they couldn't put that off that that would have set everything crooked in in the manner of uh, how we proceed we ask God Lord give me the sense of urgency that equates to your heart's desire and pleasure Matthew 25 the kingdom of God will be like 10 virgins that took their lamp. They, they were all there for a purpose, like those who get ready for a wedding. They had lamps in their oil, white lamps in their oil. This was the, like the lights on a runway. When there was a wedding, the ones that were getting ready to get married would light a lamp as the bridegroom was coming through the valleys and the hills looking for the light in that house. And if there was no lamp and no oil in the lamp, they would miss his coming. And this is what Christ is giving us as an example of verse 6 when he says, At the midnight cry, when he gave his last yell, Where are you? Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And guess what? There's no lamp. There's no oil. And so they were all awoke, verse 7. You, you don't want, you want to ask the Spirit of God to wake you up now. They're in this preaching right now. Could bring you out of a spirit of stupor. All the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and got them to, <laughs> the trimming of the lamp is to shine brighter. If, if I see Nick Valvacek, like, like his light shines the evidence that he's on task with the call of God in his life without limbs. Imagine you with two feet and two arms. 
And, and your hands behind your back and they're tied and your feet are entangled and you could barely walk. You're more crippled than him. And I'm praying to God, there's no way. If you've blessed me with abundance, let me be on task, intentional every day, attentive to the things that concern the Lord. They trimmed their lamps, verse 8. And the foolish one said, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. We've run out of oil. We've lost We've lost the fuel to our fire. And the response was in verse 9, no, there not, might not be enough for both of us. Instead, you guys go and do what you need to do to get some yourselves. And so again, I don't know, I'm, I'm weird, I'm abnormal. Why the intensity of living large for Christ and letting the things of this world fade in their significance. You, you see people that, who's, I found this there you go. <laughs> Even Siri says, Check it out. you can find these things on the web. <laughs> ask God, ask God, put your fire in my heart. Put your fire in my wife's heart. Put your fire in my children's heart. Let there be evidence. Let there be significance. Let there be substance. Let there be a, a demonstration. It's urgent. I've, I've spent too much already. How many have spent too much with the garbage this world has to offer? I'm being inundated in all this social media world to be distracted with stupidity. There's not one video that has any substance, anything beneficial for me. I refuse to eat at that table. I refuse my children to, to nourish at the table of, of craziness in this time greater than any other time in the past. We say if you wanted to go find a naked woman when I was seven years old, you had to cross town and go into some stupid market and they would give it to certain children, to certain teenagers. But now our children are walking around on a daily basis being inundated with boobs and butt cheeks and Botox. And all it does is, is it fries their, their brain cells to be pure in faith. To walk in, in a manner that the expressions of the manifest power of God's strength is in their lives. And they're being inundated and flooded. And it's not enough. Right? I think that's, uh, Joshua said it when he preached last time. It's not his responsibility to parent your children. You, you should be the most passionate person about your children being lit with the fire of God. And if you like raise them up to be like Samson where they play with their strength and they play with their strength and they think is they're not going to be captive. They're going to be captive, tied up, and their eyes are going to be poked out by demons. The strongest man who ever lived, read the book of Judges. He wasn't urgent about staying away from the wrong company. No, I could put them there. Nothing's going to happen. There's no urgency. There's no leprosy taking place. So these women... These virgins, verse 10, while they were away to now work on what they should have worked on before, the bridegroom arrived and the virgins were ready and went in 
the ones that were ready went into the wedding banquet. The uh, door was shut. Verse 11, later the other ones came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. We, we weren't urgent. We weren't diligent. We, were, we weren't on task. Um, every time you participate with anything that's of significant sort, there's no time to sleep. This little group that went with us to Ponce, Puerto Rico, to do what we did in one small city at one small time, talk to Carlos Leon, talk to Yoa, talk to the men who went with us, George Carrigal, there wasn't one opportunity to leave things for another day. Everything was urgent, everything was responsible, everything was timely. The flights, the, the coming in, the going out, the hotel rooms, the meetings, the, 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 the places we had to go, the insurances. Every time you're part, ask Lorna about the gala. No one could sleep. No one could say, well, I'll see you in December. No, you would have missed everything that was in the preparations of what was at task. And so the spiritual matters at hand, if you're on task, there is no time to flounder into uh, whenever I get around to it. You're not going to make it. I'm going to be super saddened by the fact that God gave such an incredible opportunity. But there was no oil in the lamp. There's no fire burning. There's no light shining forth. Lord, open up to him. I tell you, verse 12, he replied, truly, I am not connected to you. There's no real intimacy here. Verse 13, Jesus says, therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day nor the hour. Uh, I, I don't, a long time ago, you have a sense of, and I got to hurry up here. I'm going to finish. I will wait to that important day. Then I'll be prepared when the day comes. I, I always told my kids from a young age, make sure that when we travel, when we go places, make sure you're, you dress properly. And so we were traveling on 2016. Um, and they thought, we don't need to shave. We need to comb our hair. That that's, that's matters for an important day. And that day we headed over to the airport. And they decided to come with their Crocs and their almost pajamas, uh, a workout suit. And they didn't comb their hair. They didn't, they didn't shave. And we run into a presidential candidate here at the airport. And they freaked out. I said, no, 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 come and take a picture with the presidential candidate. And they're like, dad, come on. No, because you can't get ready the day of the affair. You, you can't say, wait a second, I need to now sharpen my skills. I need to now trim my lamp. Now I need to go buy oil. All that has to happen before. And it's the life that we're living because we are filled and empowered and it's the spirit of God in us that compels us that we take these matters urgent. Colossians 4, 5, conduct yourself in a manner of wisdom as you are seen by those that are not here. Walk in wisdom toward those that are outside and make sure the urgency of the time is present to address these matters. Make the most of every opportunity, treating each day as something precious Paul says it with regards to how he runs this race he says like an athlete that runs a race I discipline myself 
I impose the rigorous discipline of those who want to win. Who is that, people? That's you and I. That's you and I. Lord, I want to run in such a way that it is obvious that I'm about the Lord's business. I don't want to wait for the time that the midnight cry cry, Hey, get over here. Jesus is showing up. No, you're already here. And when he comes, you're about his matters. You're being urgent to show yourself a servant. You're, you're showing yourself approved before he comes, not because of he comes. Let's stand this morning and ask God, Lord, where do these sense of urgency come from? It has to be the spirit of the Lord. It has to be God. Um, again, I want to call it the synergy of a real Christian. He's not... Listen, I, I see some of you guys are still fellowshipping with your worldly friends. And I'm asking, what the heck is going on here? How, how, how is it that you still, the Bible says we have no fellowship with darkness. And there's people that still have not told their friends they're about a more serious matter. I want my wife to be surrounded by women of God. Not her friends from high school. Because when we go through problems, guess what their friends are going to tell her? I know a good nightclub, and I'll introduce you to a friend. Why? Because you never broke off with the world. You never broke off with darkness. Well, she has to hang out with somebody. Yeah, with a godly woman. With a woman who knows the sense of urgency to not accommodate. And what's that called? When you compromise. All these matters, the sense of divine urgency in every regards, you guys know I haven't talked about it, but witnessing to people, don't leave it for tomorrow. Telling your children, you know, what they need to know. I'm telling some of the ones that have the small children, if you do not spank them and spank them hard and frequently, you're going to lose your children. All the, all the young people said, thanks, thanks, Pastor. To save your soul. To, to avoid something called spoil. It's urgent. Mama bear, get out of the way. Come and talk to my wife. She'll tell you she got out of the way. And look at my boys. And look at Christina. All of them have had intense fellowship with me. The fear of God because of the fear of dad. You, you, some of you women could change nations and you're on neutral. There's no sense of urgency for the fire of God in your home, in your family, in your marriage. In, in the case of Lot's wife, God was calling them urgently to leave that city that was going to the judgment of God was going to befall. She could have been the catalyst, and she stayed behind. She was dragging her feet. I, got, I, I wonder why you guys do the study. I, I'm not sure why Lot's wife was so intertwined with that city. The, the, the son-in-laws also, when Lot says, listen, it's urgent that we get out of here because an angel appeared to me, and it says they thought he was joking. 
they, they thought he was, the urgency was not pressing. I, I've had people tell me all the time, Joaquin, you speak like if something's going to happen to me this afternoon. So I don't know what God has. But I do know that urgency will keep you away from a lot of headaches. And, and if you hear the voice calling and you not move, you hear the voice calling, you hear the Spirit of God pressing and calling you to draw near, to get your devotion more serious, to make it evident. Uh, I, I don't know, as we watch Nick and we see what he's doing, I'm saying, Lord, you gave me some feet, man. Let these feet run. You give me some hands. Let, let my hands do something for your kingdom. Here, this guy, no hands, no feet. And he's been known upon the earth for being about God's work. And that, that says there's no excuse. There's no excuse for us. But I don't know how to do this. Years ago when Pastor Omar was going through a trial, and I was telling him it's urgent that you get real with God. This was when the church first started. That you fulfill your ministry. That you not leave it for another day. There's nothing more important than you be about God's business when God wants you to be here. And he says, well then how do I do that? I said, there's just something that God doesn't allow anybody in that inner circle between you and him to spur you on to the urgency he needs for you to respond as a girl does to her bridegroom. There's, there's something that has to happen, I told Pastor Omar, between you and God that will be the catalyst of you pressing forward to serve God in the manner that he deserves. And I can't tell you that, and I can't show you. It's between you and God. And, and God did an incredible work in his life in the following days of, after that conversation. And he got on the same page with God. Amen. Those of you that don't know the testimony, God told him, if you don't serve me, you're not going to live another six months. Doctors and hospitals and all types of diagnosis came in in the next couple of days. But I don't, I don't want us to have to go through a pressing time and that would be the reason why we decide to give God our best. No, we give God our best now. When we're healthy, when we're fine, when he's blessed us, when he's flourished us, when he made us fruitful, when we're shining, when smiles are on our countenance, not when we're broken like we said on Wednesday. We don't, we don't need that. We don't need that. So we need God's greater measure of his spirit in our lives so that we are timely and diligent with God with a sense of urgency in all these affairs. Father, thank you for this day. We give you thanks for your people. We give you thanks for receptive hearts that desire to hear from you and to walk in your ways. So we pray, Father God, that anything that takes your place, anything that usurps what belongs to you, you've given us all things to enjoy, the word of God says. You've given us all things to enjoy in its rightful measure, Lord. Allow that not to be disproportionate where we forget you, God, where we abandon our first call and first love to our God who's given us everything, oh God, who's restored us, who's renewed us, who's reconciled and forgiven us, Lord. Allow us to be about your businesses, taking care of serving you with excellence, taking on the weight and responsibility of your work uh, here at the church as we continue to fulfill our vision to change the world. Allow us to be, have able-bodied team members, like those, the team members in a trauma center, in an urgent care center, Lord. None of them could drop the ball. None of them could fumble. Each have their own place. Each of them have their own participation, their own talents and giftings. So that we might move in the direction of your purposes 
and live meaningful lives here upon the earth, Lord. We pray that you be glorified. We lift you up, Lord, in the life of every person here. We pray for you to heal the sick, Lord. We pray for you to restore those that are brokenhearted. We pray, Father God, that you prosper finances and provisions of all those here. We don't have to move to another city, Lord, when you are a provider, when you are our resource. You're the source of all our resources, Lord. You give us all things to enjoy thoroughly and abundantly. Allow our faith, our speech, our knowledge, our love, and our giving to be urgent, Lord, not put off for another day, not put off for another week, Lord. Allow us to keep short accounts with you, Lord, so that when you come, you'll have no doubt in being able to know who who is where they need to be according to your call, Lord. We don't want to be like the virgins. We don't want to be like men who miss their call and miss their time. We don't want to be like soldiers that fall asleep at the wartime, Lord. Allow us to fight the battles of the Lord and be your people right now in every expression of our lives. This we pray in Jesus' name and the house of God says amen, amen, amen and amen.